Welcome to the Barley Snyder COVID-19 Legal Update Podcast. Barley Snyder is a full-service business law firm with over 100 attorneys practicing out of offices located in central Pennsylvania and Maryland. My name is David Friedman, and I am the host of the Barley Snyder COVID-19 Legal Update Podcast. I am a partner with Barley Snyder's Employment Law Group, focusing my practice on labor and employment litigation, higher education law, and business immigration. Before we get started, please, listeners, understand that the information provided during episodes of Barley Snyder's COVID-19 Legal Update podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or as a substitute for legal counsel. If you have questions about your legal situation or about how to apply information discussed in this episode to your situation, you should consult an attorney for assistance. With that out of the way, let's turn to today's episode, which will focus on the difficulties that the COVID-19 crisis is posing for the all-essential food and agribusiness industry. So joining us for our episode today are Emma Rose Boyle and Tim Dietrich. Tim and Emma Rose both work out of Barley Snyder's Reading office and both serve as members of Barley Snyder's Food and Agribusiness Industry Practice Group. In fact, Tim is the chair of that group. Tim also served as Barley Snyder's managing partner for many years. In fact, Tim was the brainchild of our practice excellence program that has become the mantra for process improvement here at Barley. Tim was also the firm's managing partner when I was selected for the firm's partnership, so he'll always have that stain on his record. Emma Rose is an integral part of the firm's food and agribusiness industry group, working with clients on compliance issues with state and federal agencies such as the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture. Emma Rose comes by it naturally. She grew up on a small farm in Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania. She went on to obtain a bachelor degree in animal science, livestock science, and management from Delaware Valley University, one of the top agriculture science colleges in Pennsylvania. Then she went on to obtain her law degree with honors from the University of Vermont, where she specialized in coursework related to legal issues in the food and agriculture business sector. Welcome to the show, Tim and Emma Rose. Great to have you both here. So Tim and Emma Rose, obviously food and agriculture are the quintessential life-sustaining industries. The coronavirus pandemic has posed a number of very serious challenges for food and ag businesses just trying to keep their doors open so they can get food to all of us and our families. Emma Rose, what are some of the major challenges that you've been seeing in the food and agribusiness sector these past eight weeks or so? Thanks, David. It's hard to imagine what could be more essential than getting food to the population. And with such a small percentage of the population serving the rest, the challenges are uniquely concentrated. Uh, we're seeing things like supply chain disruptions to bottlenecking a product, especially meat, milk, and eggs because the processors that prepare these products for market 
who normally operate around the clock are now experiencing shutdowns that literally impact thousands of tons of product each shift. In addition, we're seeing required diversions of product from food service to retail, changing retail market conditions, the difficulty that some small producers face to adapt, and even inconceivably at a time like this, some political challenges to certain agribusiness sectors in some locales. Yeah, certainly I've been reading a lot about how it's so difficult for a lot of these businesses to turn on a dime. And some farms and food businesses have been serving schools and schools being shut down. And now all of a sudden they have this backup of product, but uh, yeah, and they don't know what to do with it. But it's not all doom and gloom, right? I mean, there are some significant opportunities for businesses trying to survive in these industries right now. What are some of the positive developments that you're seeing? Definitely not all doom and gloom. As my alma mater, Delaware Valley University would say, we are still farming. Thankfully, the federal government isn't ignorant to the importance or the tribulations of agriculture. Uh, in fact, one very welcome development back in April was the announcement that the economic injury disaster loans and emergency grants that were initially available to impacted businesses under the CARES Act would become available to agricultural enterprises with up to 500 employees. Uh, that was actually previously excluded by statute, but now they are available. My understanding is that there are also still funds available under the Paycheck Protection Program as well. So I would encourage any small food or agricultural business to reach out to a lender to discuss their eligibility for those funds. In addition, the United States Department of Agriculture is also living up to its mandate and providing relief as well. In addition to all of its services to the agribusiness industry in the pre-coronavirus world, USDA launched the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, and that consists of both direct payments to farmers as well as purchasing fresh produce, dairy, and meat, which will then be distributed to Americans in need of fresh food. Later this month, USDA is going to begin accepting applications for the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. Well, that's certainly good news that the uh, federal government is is jumping in there to help both farmers and folks in need. It sounds like a great program that you should be able to help a lot of folks with. But what about on the regulatory front now that we're talking about the USDA? Uh, all of us who've had any involvement with the food and ag business sector know that it is a highly regulated space. Is there anything uh, that the bureaucrats are doing to ease the process for getting food from the farm to the grocery store shelves. Yeah, actually, I'm going to start with something that the FDA is doing. As I mentioned, producers obviously have to have shifted their markets for their products. For example, in the egg world, just imagine how many eggs are produced every day. And you can't just stop that on a dime. So many producers provide eggs to schools and food service, which aren't operating right now. The Food and Drug Administration, which has the authority for food safety related to shell eggs, has provided some guidance to the industry to allow an easier transition to the retail market for some of these producers. For example, labeling and packaging standards have been modified. In addition, the FDA has broader flexibility for nutrition labeling, especially for some of those restaurants that are now packaging food, um, especially fresh food or non-cooked food to take home. Also, the USDA Agricultural Marketing Service has instituted some of their own regulatory flexibilities. For example, in the country of origin labeling sector, 
we're seeing some flexibility for food that was initially shipped for food service, but is now going to be diverted into the retail sector. What about on-site inspections? Have you seen any relief in as, as far as on-site inspections from some of the other regulatory industries involved in the food and ag sector? We may be seeing some differences in inspection timeframes and some flexibility as to third-party inspections. Well, that's great. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on that. Now, Tim, I'd like to bring you on for a few minutes here. Uh, it seems like hardly a day goes by that I don't read something in the media about the challenges that employers in the food and ag business are facing regarding how to keep their employees safe. What sort of challenges do you see that employers in the food and ag industry are facing now with making sure that employees are safe and not spreading the virus by showing up at work? Well, in, in food and agriculture, uh, industry faces many of the same challenges as other industries with respect to knowing whether or not your workforce uh, is infected or maybe may be ill, and also providing for things like separation uh, distances between employees. Almost all businesses will face that. Food prior to coronavirus was an industry that was regulated because of the need to control pathogens. Uh, listeria and other types of bacteria have always been an issue and a regulatory problem. Environments that are wet and cold favor some of these uh, microbes. And so it's not a surprise that meat packing and uh, prepared foods, cold foods and dairy would face challenges because the very environment that workers are in is hospitable to the virus and to other bacteria. Testing becomes very, very important. Uh, certainly in healthcare and in senior living, testing is going to be something that becomes mandated, is certainly already recommended, and in some cases is mandated. In meatpacking, that is now something that is being done, and I would expect to see greater testing being done for uh, workforces in a lot of the, the food chain because of the, the prevalence of microbes. The issues we'll face are what kind of tests, what frequency of tests, the epidemiological studies to know who to test and how often, all of those types of things will be concerns. And then the other issues will be getting enough protective gear for folks working in those environments that's suitable because it is often a wet and cold environment. And employers will have to stay mindful, as I'm sure you think about a lot, David, of things like HIPAA regulations, all of the kinds of ordinary employment law things that we worry about, discrimination claims, ADA claims. And yeah, certainly the Americans with Disabilities Act, we're, we're seeing that in, in all sorts of uh, spaces, including food and ag. Right, so already we've heard, uh, outside of food more so, that employees may be less than enthralled with the idea of wearing masks and being tested, being separated. The food world has done a lot of that for a long time because it's a food safety issue probably a little more willingness to tolerate it there, but all of that will come to the forefront. Yeah, we certainly are seeing that in a number of different industries, so it's not surprising that they're seeing it in food and ag. And, and I found it a very interesting what you mentioned there as far as the issues with listeria and the various foodborne illnesses that, that can happen, that that's, you know, those, those issues are not going away simply because there's also an additional coronavirus crisis to worry about. Uh, but, you know, at some point, we're going to get through this awful virus and get back to operating as a society in a somewhat normal basis. 
what sort of legal challenges and issues do you see on the other side of this crisis for businesses operating in the ag space? Well, as things start to normalize, and I'm reluctant to use that word, rarely do things return to how they were after a crisis. It's called, let's say when they abnormalize, all right? right. So when things change from the current crisis level to something else, I think there are a host of things that this industry will be facing. One of the first and less obvious is that there's been a lot of cooperation and there will be more cooperation sometimes between competitors. Uh, So for example, in the pork industry, producers are finding it necessary to perhaps euthanize hogs because there isn't an outlet for them into the meatpacking industry temporarily. And the cooperation among competitors can be an antitrust issue. Uh, The U.S. government is looking at making exceptions during this time. Whenever you're exchanging competitively sensitive information with a competitor or working with a competitor, you should be getting advice about whether that sort of interaction is or is not legal. It's a sensitive area. I think we're going to see a lot of rearrangement of supply chain. Emma Rose referred to the example of egg producers sending a lot of eggs to institutional users, and now they've shut down and it's hard to get it into the retail chain. I think the entire industry is gonna give a lot of thought to that and how to move things around more easily and how to lower individual risk so you're not exposed to just one side or the other, particularly if this goes on for a while. Uh, Counterparty risk because of financial distress, we're seeing a good deal of that already. Producers are finding that distributors they're doing business with are in financial trouble, particularly those who uh, were largely on the institutional side. And to pay attention to your credit exposure to your customers and how to handle that is going to be very important over the next six months. And consumer preference change. We know that dairy farmers were facing a lot of difficulty because folks were simply drinking less milk. Kids were drinking less milk. All of that changed during the downtime as folks were home. And consumers are fickle, and we may find that there is still more consumer preference disruption that everyone will have to take into account. Certainly, and a lot of us are, are going for those uh, comfort foods over our uh, our vegan-centered diets before. So, you know, we're seeing probably uh, that's a lot for folks on the production side to have to deal with. So th- these are all really fascinating insights, Tim and Emma Rose. I, I really uh, thank you for coming on the show and uh, providing us with that information. So that's about all the time we have for now. I want to thank you listeners for tuning into this episode. Please tune in again next time when we'll be speaking with Maria Elliott, the chair of Barley Snyder's Real Estate Law Group. Maria will be speaking with us about some of the unique challenges the commercial and residential real estate industries are facing in this COVID-19 world. In the meantime, if you have any questions about this or any other episode or would like to hear about a particular topic in a future episode, please email us at covid19podcast at barley.com. That's C-O-V-I-D-1-9 P-O-D-C-A-S-T at B-A-R. L-E-Y dot C-O-M. Folks, if you're like me, not only are you uh, out there eating your comfort food, your carb-centered diet, 
during this quarantine, but you're also binge watching an entire catalog of current shows. And with no sports or new movies on the horizon for the foreseeable future, you might be looking for older selections to keep you entertained. Well, if that's your situation, listeners, I'd recommend that you consider streaming a television series called Freaks and Geeks. It's a story about public high school in the early 1980s, although the series actually aired in the late 90s and only lasted one season. It's a real gem. It's funny. It's touching. It's sad. It's happy. All that stuff. Plus, you'll see some faces you recognize. The series launched the careers of many current stars, such as Seth Rogen and James Franco. For those of you raising teenagers like me, this is a great conversation starting show for you to share with your kids. I know my kids loving this with my wife and me, which is not something we can say about most of the things we watch. So if you find yourselves looking for some extra entertainment, give Freaks and Geeks a shot. Stay safe and healthy. We'll talk soon. Marley Snyder's COVID-19 show.